0: Hello and welcome to History with Jackson. Today we are looking at King John's son and successor Henry III. As always we'll be looking at who he was, what his early life was like, what his reign was like, his death and then bringing that all together to analyse his kingship. So, I hope you're enjoying it, I hope you're looking forward to it. And remember, if you haven't already liked, subscribed and followed, please do, all the links are in the description below the video. And without further ado, let's learn about Henry III. Henry was born in 1207 at Winchester Castle to King John and his wife, Isabella of Anglomere. Now little is known about Henry's upbringing but we do know that he was educated, taught how to ride and taught how to fight. He stood at around five foot six. He did possess a fierce temper but otherwise he was friendly and easy to going and religious. What was Henry's early life like? Now Henry was raised in the south of England, away from John's court, possibly for Henry's own safety. Now in 1215, John entered into the First Baronial War, and Henry was kept away from this. Now in 1216, John came into contact with dysentery, and this condition eventually killed him, leaving a nine-year-old Henry as the heir to the throne. What was Henry's reign like? Now, Henry inherited a difficult situation as the country was in turmoil due to the First Baronial War and the loyalist barons set about crowning Henry as quickly as possible. So, in October 1216, Henry was crowned at Gloucester Cathedral. Now, because Henry was a minor... Uh, Upon the instructions of John a regency council was set up and William Marshall, one of the most renowned and high profile loyalist barons, was named as Henry's regent. Now, to establish Henry's position and to try and end this war, the Magna Carta was reissued. Uh, Barons on the revolting side were promised their land back if they supported Henry and the connection between the English crown and the papacy was reignited, re-established or refocused to give Henry an element of protection. These factors combined with several key Royalist military victories ended the baronial war and sent prince louis of france back to france and led to henry having a secure throne in 1219 william marshal the regent passed away and he was replaced by hubert de burt hubert de burt continued to govern well and in about 1220 he had henry recrowned with fresh coronation regalia as the previous crown had been lost at Henry's original coronation. In 1224, English continental possessions were being attacked by King Louis of France, who had formerly, as prince, occupied the south of England. To raise money to fight against these attacks, Hubert de Beurre and King Henry reissued the Magna Carta, taking away provisions that criticised papacy, and issued a charter called the Forest Charter, which made new laws surrounding the forests. These two combined managed to raise the crown £45,000 to defend their continental possessions. The defence of these possessions did not go down very well, as many lords did not want to travel to France to fight and defend lands which they had no say over and they had no personal control over they saw this as more of a project for the king not something that they could gain from also Prince Louis now controlled Gascony and large chunks of uh, Aquitaine and Poitou so these attempts were largely unsuccessful then in 1227 Henry declared that his minority was over But it wasn't really over behind closed doors as Hubert de Beurre still maintained a large control over the day-to-day running of government. This was perhaps due to Henry's disinterest or his lack of skill in this area. Hubert de Beurre's government was unpopular and this lack of popularity pushed two of the leading nobles into revolt against Hubert de Burgh's government. These two leading nobles were William Marshall's son, Richard Marshall, and Henry's own brother, Richard, Earl of Cornwall. Now, this revolt was placated by Henry's tutor's return. Henry's tutor was called Peter de Roche, and Henry eventually dismissed Hubert de Burr and replaced him with Peter de Rocher. The replacement of Hubert de Burr as head of government by Peter de Rocher formally ended Henry's minority, as by 1234 he was fully in control of his government with many advisers around him. And from this point onwards, he began to sort models for his kingship. And the model that he settled upon was Edward the Confessor as he began to create a cult around St Edward or King Edward and held him up as his own personal model. And about this time Henry was also looking for a marriage to further the Plantagenet dynasty but also to create connections between England and the continent. In 1236, Henry was finally successful in creating this continental connection as he married Eleanor of Provence. His marriage to Eleanor of Provence linked him to King Louis of France as his brother-in-law, but also linked him to powerful nobles in Italy and the Holy Roman Empire. But along with Eleanor came an influx Of French nobles uh, and high-ranking officials who eventually came to possess high-ranking offices in England such as lordships in the north of England which were key lordships for protecting England from the Scots and also the Archbishopric of Canterbury. One of these French nobles that would come over to England with Eleanor of Provence was Simon de Montfort, who eventually married the king's sister, but also grew very close with Henry, becoming one of his closest friends. And in 1239, Eleanor of Provence bore Henry a son. Now, in a departure away from Plantagenet's naming customs, Henry named his son Edward after Edward the Confessor. Now at a celebration about the birth of Prince Edward, Henry and Simon de Montfort fell out and de Montfort fled England to go on crusade to escape the wrath of his brother-in-law Henry. Upon de Montfort's return from crusade, he reconciled with Henry and together they went on a disastrous campaign to France to reclaim English possessions. This disastrous campaign was embarrassing for Henry, but he left Simon de Montfort in France to protect English continental possessions. However, de Montfort grew to be a harsh ruler within these territories, and complaints were sent back to Henry who summoned him to his court back in England to punish him. At this court, de Montfort openly questioned Henry's piety, and this destroyed the relationship between the two for good. And in 1258, de Montfort led a rebellion against Henry as part of the Second Baronial War. They issued a set of grievances against Henry known as the Provisions of Oxford. The grievances in the provisions of Oxford criticised Henry for not allowing the barons to give their views enough. They also asked for Parliament to be open a set number of times in a year, also asked for an open body of advisers permanent body of advisers to advise the king and they asked for a more open recording of the king's finances. In 1261, however, Henry had the Pope declare these provisions null and void, and he continued to refuse to follow them, and this led to an open war. Whilst the Second Baronial War, or another civil war in England, had... Kind of started with the issuing of the provisions of Oxford. It formally started with battles in 1264. And at the Battle of Lewis, King Henry was captured by de Montfort. Now Prince Edward gave himself up to de Montfort in return for Henry to be released. But did this this did not change Simon de Montfort's control over the country? and he began to call for Parliament to be open, calling representatives from each borough in the country. In response to this action, Prince Edward called an army and met Simon de Montfort at the Battle of Evesham. At this battle, de Montfort was killed and the Second Baronial War was over. To restore royal authority but also to respond to the grievances of the barons. Henry issued the dictum of Kenilworth which reissued the Magna Carta and mentioned several changes that Henry would make to his rule. This was then replaced the following year by the statutes of Marlborough which created a brand new basis for royal authority. Following on From the Statute of Marlborough, Henry began to bring Prince Edward more into his government as Edward began to gain a few more powers ready to be king in the future. In 1270, whilst Prince Edward was on crusade, Henry fell ill. After his condition improved slightly in 1271, Henry declared that he was going to join his son on crusade. However, from this point onwards, his condition worsened and he passed away in 1272, leaving his son, who was on crusade, as his heir. Was Henry a good king? Henry was a very, very pious man and cared deeply about the religious duties of his office. He would frequently feed the poor and give money to them very generously. He also supported educational institutes such as Oxford and Cambridge very, very well and allowed them to develop and grow. However, Henry trusted very easily and trusted the governing of his country to some men who did not govern very well. Henry was also a poor leader as he suffered several military losses to the French but also lost the support of his barons, whose support he relied on to stay on the throne. However, in my opinion, Henry wasn't a good king and he wasn't a bad king. He suffered through a lack of royal role models who could teach him how to be a king. And he also suffered through a lack of a father figure, as he was only nine when King John died from dysentery. And he'd had very little contact with his father in those nine years. So, in my opinion, Henry was neither a good or a bad king. Thank you very much for watching this Henry III episode this week, guys. I really appreciate you guys watching and continuing to watch these videos. Now, as always, I'm going to recommend a couple of books. And I think that you you guys know the two that are coming up now. It is Neil Gwynne's King's and Queen's The Indispensable History of England and Harmonics, and Dan Jones's The Plantagenets, The Kings Who Made England. These two books are fantastic, and I've been leaning on these two to do my research. Now, I look forward to teaching you guys next week about Henry's son, King Edward. I feel that would be a really interesting episode for you guys, and I'm looking forward to researching it. Now, in the meantime, if you guys want to follow and keep up to date with everything History of Jackson related, please head to the social media links that are in the description below. And if you'd like to support what we do here, our Buy Me a Coffee profile is also in the description. You can also head to our website to access all our videos, all our work and our podcasts as well. So that website is www.historywithjackson.co.uk. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. I look forward to teaching you about King Edward, and I'll see you guys later.